0: Welcome back to I Loved This Conversation, the podcast where I talk to other creative people about what they're currently going through in their creative lives. I'm Alex Salzberg. I'm an animator, writer. And my goal with this podcast is, well, I think a lot of creative people can relate to this you get lunch with another friend who does creative stuff, music, art, cooking, anything, and you kind of get into it and you talk about life and creativity and you come out of that, did I say coffee, coffee, lunch, beer, whatever? You come out of that feeling just like, warm and good and inspired, and it was just, like, really interesting, and you kind of think, man, I wish I wish I had conversations like this all the time, and I'm hoping this podcast feels like that. This conversation definitely was that, for me, it was with Yoni Gordon, a Boston-based musician and singer whose album Courtship comes out on February 17th. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know that we've been temporarily living on, like, a relatively empty summer camp in the winter in Connecticut. And for me, it's been really, really peaceful in terms of getting this giant project that has been looming over me done. I feel like I haven't had much to say on these intros, but it's sort of because I've been really, really in a routine. And it's a period of my life where I'm really benefiting from having like kind of a strict routine where I wake up around the same time every day, work on art for a certain number of hours, take a lunch break, go to the gym, work on emails and meetings and admin stuff. And it's still creative work, so it's still chaotic in its own right, but it's been very contained into this nice routine. I used to always feel like I had to come up with the routine that would work for the rest of my life, and that was a lot of pressure. I'd be like, oh, okay, so yeah, just for the rest of my life, I'll get up at seven and go to the gym and, and whatever is next then the moment that that routine stopped working for me, I would feel like I failed or something. And I've come to realize that like every routine is for a time in your life and it works for a certain time. So I'm on an empty summer camp in Connecticut trying to finish a big project. This is the perfect routine for that. And when I'm no longer on an empty summer camp in Connecticut trying to finish a huge project, I will benefit from a different routine or maybe a less structured routine or maybe a little bit more chaos and that's fine. I'm so excited about this episode with Yoni Gordon. Uh, he came by CCTV studio in Cambridge, Massachusetts to chat with me. His album, Courtship, which I was lucky enough to hear and love, is about dating with like a lot about online dating using the dating apps. It was super fun to talk about that, which... It's kind of easy for me to say because I don't have to deal with it anymore, but I did deal with it for a period of my life. And there's just a lot to dig into there. And it was fun to talk about those experiences with Yoni and also how that influenced his album. We also talk just in general about creating art based on periods of our lives and being inspired by biographical stuff. We talk about balancing like outside influences with our own sensibilities, our own style. We talked just a lot about writing and writing process in general, and I loved the part of the conversation where Yoni really opened up about taking time off of music because of his own personal issues and internal issues that he was dealing with. I don't know if anyone cares, but uh, this episode maybe has more swearing than the average I love this conversation episode. Actually, don't even know if that's true, but figured I'll warn you. It's also, we talk about dating, so uh, I think it's Ira Glass in This American Life always says, this episode acknowledges the existence of sex. So yeah, I assume none of those things will stop you from listening, but in case you have kids in the car and don't want to (laughs) explain Tinder to them, that's fine. Anyway, let's meet our guest and hear his connection to me. My name is Yoni Gordon. I came to learn about you and this
1: podcast because... A friend of mine, Julia Mark, appeared as a guest. Yes. And I did the thing that you do in probably the world of music, (laughs) but probably just uh, other creative disciplines where you have to hustle, where I see what my friends are doing. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) we will see if I can do that, too. And I'll send an email being
0: like, friend of blah, 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 interested in booking. So. Something I love here. that you did that, and I commend that. I think something pe- a lot of people don't know about creative fields is that, like for the most part, most accolades or like media opportunities or anything that we get, it's like we asked for it, usually. It, it's absolute famine. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> It's like fighting over just table scraps. And then, <laughs> at a certain point, if you're very, very fortunate, you have more to deal with than you could possibly ever handle and imagine.
0: Yoni, what is something you are... Currently going through in your creative life and or where your creative life overlaps with your entire life.
1: I think right now I'm in a period more of refinement than I am in in a creative period, Mm. right? Because I've I've got this album and it's done and it's a finished product. And what I'm trying to figure out now is how do I get people to care? How do I get people to listen to it? Taking the album and figuring out how do I break it down into these little bite-sized things that are going to sell it? Right. How can I just distill it down to something that exists in the vernacular of social media and content? I'm pretty happy with the album. It's It says what it is that I want to say. Right. How do I then go ahead and tell people the thing that I will
0: eventually tell them? on album. Interesting. I feel like every moment, every month, social media is a different landscape. How are you finding this process in the current January 20? What is it? 2023. Holy shit. Yeah. January. I know it's very cliche to be like surprised by the year in January, but that really hit me. It sneaks up on you, man. But yeah, in in the current landscape, which is like kind of weird right now, it's very video base does that help you does that hurt you like how are you finding it right now
1: i don't you know i don't think of myself as someone who's necessarily got their finger on the pulse Mm -hmm. i just think that i I trust my ability to create something that's clever Mm -hmm. and funny and like i think of my brand as being like kind of funny you know and um i I trust my ability to be able to create that whether or not Mm -hmm. that's tapping into like a zeitgeist at this moment i don't know (laughs) you know but i think if i try to chase that kind of a moment, I'll end up falling short any, no matter which way I do it.
0: Yeah, I guess I found like the moment I'm trying to catch up to what's quote unquote happening in social media is then the moment I'm realizing I'm like three years behind. Yes. Well, let's let's talk about the album. It's called Courtship. And I have listened because I'm a cool media person who got a preview. Yeah, Um, yeah. I love this album like it's so so much fun this album feels like it is about like a period in your life when you were going through courtship or dating as we call it what what was the first impulse to like use this period of your life as the inspiration for the album
1: like a lot of people in March of 2020 I went from being a somewhat social creature yeah to being alone yeah you know, and, and i have a, i have a son who i he splits his time between his mother's house and my house mm-hmm. and i have a cat so you know there were it, there was intermittent company right. but it was pretty alone yeah pretty alone during that time and i wanted to use that time as constructively as i could i didn't really think that i had a covid record in me i didn't think that i had like a pandemic <laughs> Right. song to sing necessarily although there's there's little bits of that in the record but what ended up emerging like the, the thing that i wanted to write about was aloneness loneliness mm. and where i ended up directing those energies was towards taking on an album about dating or taking on writing about dating because it felt like there was a little bit of a gap there there, there were a lot of Records about relationships, Mm. love, you know, marriage. There's a lot of records about breakup, heartbreak. There's not a lot of records that are like, (laughs) I think I could love you. I don't know you, but maybe if we continue doing this, we could figure something out. That felt like fertile ground. And also being someone who became single as an adult at kind of the like critical mass of dating apps (laughs) being really prevalent. Yeah. It felt like I have stories to tell yeah. about this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, so first of all, I, without knowing your exact timeline on the like becoming singles and delt thing, I really relate to that statement. I became single after nine years being in a relationship. And yeah. during those nine years, online dating went from a thing people were vaguely embarrassed to do uh-huh. to the thing that people were embarrassed not to do. <laughs> sure. So I always described it as I felt like a time traveler. I'm curious if that resonates at all.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, uh, that that same kind of trajectory of, of it being like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm going to like try online dating. Yeah, it really felt like you just get sort of plopped into this world where there's new rules mm-hmm. to abide by and new ways to interact with people. Yeah. I mean, I was married. Mm-hmm. Where I was very much a part of someone's life to now I could kind of just traips through people's lives, yeah, in and out. And they could traipse through mine. And that was a very weird new thing for me. Yeah. I remember the first the first time I slept with somebody when I was, you know, in this period of dating. I thought like, oh, God, okay, well, we're, we're dating now. We're, yeah. we're in a relationship. Mm-hmm. I need to be available and emotionally available. And uh, I remember texting this this person, you know, maybe a, a day after we had slept together. Yeah. And I was like, hey, what's going on? What are you up to? And she's like, oh, some friends of mine are coming over later. And I was like, oh, okay, should I come too? And she's <laughs> like, no, no, I don't want that. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, well, just, and then I never heard, heard from her again. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh okay, so this is not, it's not really that big of a commitment. You just—you could just sleep with people and right. everybody's got their own rules. So, so right. you that's could try that thing. tact with someone else and they're like, why didn't you call me? And you're like, oh, I, th- I don't know. I thought that's what we were doing Right. Here. Steep learning curve.
0: I fully feel that steep learning curve. Was it intoxicating at first? Was it terrifying? For me, there was a period of, terrifying and then this like addiction period almost not yeah. even to the dating themselves. I don't I don't think my dating life during the time when I was single was particularly like above average or, or crazy but addiction to the process of swiping and chatting and all of that well they they, they make it very addictive mm-hmm. oh they, yeah they
1: gamify it and they For make sure. it so that it's this slot machine the next one I'm gonna hit the next mm-hmm. one I'm gonna hit mm-hmm. the next one and there were times where you would go out you know, I'm saying you, as in me. <laughs> I would go out and be on a date with someone where I'm connecting, and then be thinking like, I want to check the app though. I want to uh-huh. see what's going on. I want the act. I want the action. And the 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 thing that became the the relationship was the app, not the actual person that I was. Wow. With you I know? love how you put that. So that same that same thing of like, oh God, this this can't be the process to then like. I fucking love it, man. Give me more of the process. (laughs) Like, I went through that. You know, for me personally, I hadn't gone through a dating period before I was married. mm -hmm. And then, you know, full full disclosure here: like, when I was married, I was a very shitty husband. It's not a good husband. Mm -hmm. wasn't wasn't really didn't know what the commitment was. Right. Wasn't able to like live up to my end of the bargain. I also had spent my earlier years my teens, 20s, feeling like very much an ugly duckling and feeling like were I to be interested in someone romantically, there would be no way for it to be other than an imposition on Mm. them. And there's no conceivable world where I have any kind of currency or value to, (laughs) to another person. Right. Anyone who likes me, it's an act of charity. And so this period of dating, there was that addiction to the app. But there was also this feeling of like, okay, well, I think I'm kind of starting to feel myself a little bit here. Like, oh, people are into me. You know, suddenly um, I've gone from being this thing that was sort of an imposition to now it seems like. People are into the yawns, kind of. Okay, all right, let's see where this goes.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things I found positive about online dating was that I, like, early in my dating life, before that long relationship, when I was, you know, in college and out of college, I was the textbook, like, (laughs) hanging out with a friend, Hoping it would magically turn uh-huh. into something person, you know, which right. is, which we, we've we since learned is like, uh, or at least I've learned, to, like, you're not the victim in that scenario waiting around to <laughs> for someone to like you. But it came from, I think, the same place, that self-esteem of like, well, they wouldn't actually like me. And what I liked about online dating was that when you go on the date, it is a date. You never have to sit there. It might not go well, but you never have to sit there across the table and be like, is this a date? Well,
1: yeah, there, there's a lack of ambiguity to it. Yeah. But then you know, sometimes if you go like two, three, four, mm-hmm. then you do ha- start to wonder like, what What are we doing here?
0: Yeah, what's, that's what's true. On? Is this still a date? Right. Did it start before COVID? Your period of online dating.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was. This was back. So I lived in New York. So the the like bulk of the dating days, I'd say, stretched from like twenty. Fifteen mm-hmm. to like twenty, twenty, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with, with some like pauses here and there, and a few sort of brief relationships
0: in there. But I was I was dating during that time. And what what was the first moment during that time when you first made the connection to like put it into your art as as telling some of those stories? I think during the time where I was actually dating, I, I wasn't
1: really thinking, okay, I'm going to
0: write about this. Yeah.
1: What did emerge though was that. If you go on dates, you end up with dating stories. You yeah. end up with all these stories, and sometimes your experience of going on the date. Sometimes you hear them from the person you're going on a date with. Sometimes what I would like to do on a date, I'd like to get meta narrative about it. Be like <laughs> let's talk about dating right. while we're on the date. Yeah, you know, let's let's break it down. Let's start to deconstruct it. You tell your stories, I'll tell my stories. And so I ended up just kind of collecting all these stories that felt sometimes, oftentimes kind of outlandish and amazing that focused on all these aspects of human behavior that you wouldn't necessarily get to talk about with, with a stranger. There was this commonality that ran between them, which is that we just are looking for a way to be less alone. You're, you're <laughs> putting this huge weight and responsibility onto a stranger to be like, make me less alone. Mm hmm make me
0: feel less alone. And please don't hurt me in the process. Right. <laughs> and then once you did start to have that impulse to like capture that stuff and bring it into songs and bring it into an album, how did that first manifest?
1: For me that there's not there's not there's no one way to write a song. Mm-hmm. In fact, no song has its has the same process for me. It's you. It's always about finding that point of entrance and egress you know for the thing and you've got to find a way in you got to find a way out and you just kind of have to circle around until you find that you know knock on the hollow spots (laughs) and like okay there it is i think we've got it for me the consistent things the consistent practices are sitting down with a guitar Mm -hmm. sitting down with a notebook and just giving myself a lot of creative freedom to just write down whatever the the thing is that comes to mind. So if you just get a word or if you get a phrase where you're out in the world and you hear a sentence. I can remember a friend of mine saying the, the phrase, oh, I got into a Tinder tangle with this guy <laughs> last summer. And I thought, oh, that's such an evocative phrase, a Tinder yeah. tangle. And that's the kind of thing that I would write down just to come back to it at another point in time. In those early stages, you don't quite know what you're writing yet. It's, it's mm-hmm. a bit like approaching sculpture and you're working with raw material and you just sit there chipping away and you're saying, well, I'm just going to chip away over here and I still don't really know what it is, but I'll come back to it tomorrow. And then eventually you start to see this thing take shape. And for me, that means I've got enough things in a notebook about dating or about whatever the topic is. Right. And suddenly there comes one moment where there's just I find one certain chord progression or one certain sound on the guitar musically that sounds the way I feel. And then there's one or two phrases that you can kind of fit into it. And suddenly it's like, that's it. Now I've got the whole thing. I know where it's going mentally. I don't yet know how it's gonna sound or what it's gonna look like or feel like, but I know where I'm trying to go with it. Right. Then it's all about discipline. It's all about sitting down every day and making yourself write and letting yourself write the shitty songs. And saying, okay, that's no, nobody needs to hear it. It's not reflective of everything that I that I am, or who I am, or what I ca- I'm capable of. It's just there so that I can get this practice going and finally get to the point
0: where I'm I'm producing something that tells the story that I want to tell, conveys the feelings that I want to convey. Where are you on your journey to the amount of discipline that you want in that practice?
1: I have a very good kind of work ethic um, as far as that is concerned. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the raw creativity is really challenging, but once I get into it, I'm very diligent about carving out that time and space to sit down and write. My dad mm-hmm. is a writer, and one of the big lessons that I learned from seeing him as a kid and seeing what that practice is like for him is he's not somebody who would sit and wait for inspiration to strike and be like, oh, I've got to tap into this right, right now. Right. He's a guy who would get up, make himself write, every single day set hours give himself an office and you know whether or not things were firing mm-hmm. creatively at that time it didn't matter it mattered that you sat down you wrote and
0: you you worked through this process and what are the conditions you create for yourself to write like what time of day i
1: think i'm a, I'm a night guy i'm mm-hmm. a night writer that's partly out of necessity as well i have a soon-to-be 12 year old son so if it's daytime we're together and we're doing things if, if it's you know, my days to have him, I want to be available to him, I can find a time to kind of like jot down a couple lines, but really where the creativity starts to flow naturally is at night. I like going into the kitchen. I don't know why. It's just where I like to go for these kinds of things. I like to have the notebook on the kitchen counter. And I like to have the guitar across my shoulder. You know, like I like to be standing. I like to be walking around. That seems to be good for fostering the creativity. Yeah. I do tend to get into a very obsessive state where I, I kind of can't stop turning song ideas over in my head or lyrical ideas. or So it is hard for me to put things away. So I'll end up taking song ideas with me to bed. And then mm. maybe in the morning, suddenly it's like, oh, okay, now I actually see where this
0: idea was trying to go. You have a son, you have other work, other things you're doing. Like, um, Have you had angst about having more limited time to create your work or... Um has it focused your work more?
1: Sure. Yeah, I know I've had to write under a lot of different circumstances. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, when my son was first born, and I was living in New York, having a baby is a really full time (laughs) job. Living in New York in in an apartment surrounded by other people is not an environment that's really conducive to like singing and Mm -hmm. playing guitar and making noise. My writing process really had to shift to becoming one where I would capture little little bits of music on an iphone on a voice memo and then i would just listen to it on the train Mm. and try to just write in my head i you know as i said earlier that i have this faith in my ability to do this is because not only have i had these constraints but i've also actively tried to step away from music at various points because it's while this is something that's given me a lot and, and it is for better or for worse is how i know how to be in the world it's also i've had an unhealthy relationship with it at times and i've actively said i'm going to step away and i don't want to do it and even in those moments songs have a way of coming out of you you know if you live a musical life the creativity just kind of bubbles up and you just have no choice but to (laughs) let it flow out of you you know and and that's i've found that to be the case for me
0: Interesting. So those times when you've stepped away from music, what were you? Were you stepping towards something else? Were there other creative things you wanted to pursue? Or was it more? I, I don't think I was stepping towards anything else,
1: really. As I, as I alluded to before, I, I had some problems, you know, <laughs> and um, on the surface, I was a pretty good guy for people liked me. Below the surface, I had a externalized uh, all the validation. There was no internal validation. It was all all about what I could Get from other people. Right. And music and performing it, the tendrils of that were just wrapped around music. Yeah. For me. That was, of course. It was this thing of like, I am somebody if people are coming to hear me play. Yeah. And if I can get a room full of strangers to clap for me, then I'm not a terrible piece of shit. Yeah. And absent that, then I don't know who I am or what it is that I'm supposed to be doing. And when my life really hit a wall, I decided to put a stop to a lot of behaviors and one of them was music. Just stop. Just mm-hmm. step away from it. Let the web domain die. Don't renew it for another year. Right. YoniGordon.com Yoni is now owned by Russian poachers and they're probably <laughs> doing horrible things to the website. <laughs> it's okay. I'm, I'm not going to... Right. I've let it go. And yeah, so part of that was stepping away from music as well and figuring out who who is it that I am without this thing and and um, how do I just be that guy. How do I bring that like onstage yoni guy that I mm-hmm. like so much into my life off stage? How right. do I figure out how to be you know the fullest version of Yoni when I'm not performing?
0: right did you um, do you have any success stories from that process of, of bringing that that on-stage version um, internal and, and off stage?
1: I think that I've become a much more whole person. To tie it back to dating, like yeah. there there is something about dating where you are able to, at least I was able to to make it into a little bit of like a show, you know, like right. you're meeting somebody, you're putting your best foot forward. And it was an extension of my performing life. Ultimately, that's not a good place to be. <laughs> yeah. But it was a way to start to integrate that show Yoni into right. my day-to-day life into finally a place where I could just say, you know what, you should just bring some of that energy and that way of connecting to people that you bring to being on stage. You should just bring it to your life. Do it you know, with your friends, connect with other people that way. While this is a little bit of a performative atmosphere too, I'm able to tap into it here in a way where it feels like, all right, this feels authentic to me, but also I'm having fun. At what point did you start to feel like I do need to make some more music? So when I stepped away from music, that was so that was that was around twenty thirteen or so, and I would say by the end of that year, musical ideas just started happening. Yeah. While while I had this unhealthy relationship to music, this this using it as a means of obtaining validation, it also br- brought a lot to my life. And right. and as I said before, like for better or for worse, the way that I know how to be in the world is to experience life and then sit down, think about it, take it with me on a walk, Uh write about it, and then sing about it. That's just how I know how to do this. I mean, this relationship to performing is the most successful relationship that I have in my life. Longest running, I'll say. (laughs) Maybe not the most successful, but longest running. And it is for better or for worse is how I know how to be. You know, when you'd remove that seeking validation through it, it's actually a pretty good thing. You know, it's a pretty pretty good way for you to get to know yourself and to also connect with people in this way that feels now I'm I'm able to squeeze out more positive moments
0: through it. I think for all of us, like the external validation angle, that can be like a really dangerous uh, road. When I was younger, I think I was very addicted to that feeling of performing or even performing in the sense of like if I'm at a party or a dinner party like the way that I would tell a story that happened to me earlier that day like there'd be a an arc and a punchline and what's interesting is I I think when I was younger I would start writing simultaneously as things were happening to me if Uh that makes sense yes yeah I would live my life in a way that like, I was almost kind of looking for stories. And there were so many positives to that because my my idea notebooks, my ideas were overflowing often and I had all these great moments. But then as I've started looking inward and not being as (laughs) addicted to that validation and all of that, the process for me is much more disconnected. Like when something happens... I don't immediately start thinking of it as a story and it could mm. be years before it like sort of makes its way and there're things I like about that. But a weird side effect is that like, you know, a friend will call me and be like, "What's been going on?" and I have like nothing <laughs> because I it used to be. They're probably used to it from 10 years ago. I'd have like, "Oh, this thing happened to me today at the store and it might have been a nothing, but I've woven it into some sort of Seinfeldian, you know, moment." So, w- let me
1: ask you this. Were you the guy who people would be like the craziest things always happen to you. How does it always happen to you? Why is it always you that these things are happening to? Sometimes, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah sometimes. Definitely, I wanted to be that guy, <laughs> right? And not in a negative way. I was never like a "why me," but in more of a like this only happens to me. So I don't know. But maybe to turn it around into a question is like, yeah, what is the the distance between the actual experiences and the stories? around the experience oh yeah that's a good question
1: i tend to move in cycles right so i've finished this writing period mm-hmm. and now it's time to kind of really learn the songs that i have on this album and figure out how to perform them for yeah. people and how to really refine that process so i'm finding all the interesting little pockets that can make these songs come to life on stage what's happening now though is i'm living my life mm-hmm listening to music, stories are happening around me, I'm watching movies, I'm I'm kind of filling myself up with all this information. And at a certain point, maybe two years, maybe a yeah. year from now, I'm gonna reach a saturation point where I'm like, I got a lot of stuff right. that's in me. I better start like wringing it out into something. There's usually like a two and a half year window where I'm just kind of sucking in information mm. and experience and media and all this and then usually i want to start wringing out the sponge and you know
0: figuring out what that stuff all is going to look and sound and feel like in in song form i relate where like i fill up with like sort of what feels like a phase of my life and then i feel Mm -hmm. like i have to make something around it and there's a part of me that doesn't really have closure on that period of my life until i've Not Mm -hmm. only written something, but, like, been able to put it out in the world. And I'm at a moment, creatively, where I'm, like, a little backed up in that sense. Because I, um, I mean, to very briefly sum up my last six, seven years. I was in a long relationship. The last couple years of it were really... uh, Difficult and and painful, and then I went through a couple years of online dating, and now now I'm uh, married, so I can't ever fully hate online dating. Sure, (laughs) I I met my wife that way. But anyway, I I, uh, I've written a series, like a cartoon series, about that sort of like breakup period that I haven't gotten to produce. I've kind of written myself in a corner because I've written something that would be really expensive and time consuming to produce, so I don't know if I'll ever get to. Prior to finishing that, I created uh, a web series about my online dating stuff, and due to um, frustrating copyright stuff, I can't use any of that. Oh, God. All that's to say, I feel a little backed up sometimes. Producing something about that period of your life is a good way to kind of cap it. Are there periods of your life that you never wrote anything about, and is that okay? <laughs> I mean, I know oh, yeah. I know it's okay in the grand scheme of things, but is that okay with you? Absolutely, yes. yes. Okay. I mean, I'm a really not biographical writer,
1: even though this, this record the courtship so i could imagine someone listening to it being like okay so when did that happen to you? And when when was this thing but there's a very pastiche element to everything that i write I- i'm very shy to put out too much of myself in my music and very hesitant to do that i've done it here and there and it feels very liberating when i do finally kind of allow people in you know to to like real things or if i broach real subjects in my writing but usually the the very personal stuff is is it's pretty oblique it's mm-hmm. pretty couched in like metaphor or there's just a sliver of something in a certain line where i'm like well really what that means to me is this but i'm never gonna tell anybody <laughs> that you know like that's that's for me to know you know at the end of the day it's, it's if you are able to to make the listener feel that thing mm-hmm. that you felt even if you're addressing it in the lyrics or not that's what makes the song successful.
0: I'm very I'm very intrigued by like album order, like the order of songs on an album. That just feels like something that I would obsess over if I mm. were a musician uh, creating albums. Yeah, so I'm curious like what your approach to that is and is it something you obsess over or is it something you are pretty Zen about? sequencing
1: is the fun part that for me, that is like the the joyful part of it. It's once you you get all it's like laying out all your best baseball cards or Pokemon cards and seeing them all in front of you and being like, you know, it's clear that I have a 12 12 year old son, (laughs) right? (laughs) You know, seeing all your cards and being like, this is what I have to work with. Okay, well, I can move this one here and that there. I don't tend to be obsessive about it. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit built into the writing as well. a, A sense of where certain songs need to go. You know, with this album, Courtship, the song Courtship, which starts the album was the last thing that I wrote. And I had written it thinking, well, I need a song that's going to feel like the curtain is rising on the story here. Right. That's what that song is supposed to convey. And and I felt like, okay, well, it needs that. Otherwise, it's just, it's starting, you know, in media res. You know, it's just starting right in the middle of an action that I don't want to start in. I, I do want this to feel like, hey... You know, come with me on the journey yeah. of courtship. You know, here it is.
0: I, I had a, a similar interpretation when I listened to the album, which, again, I, I really love this album. And something that I really liked about it was with, and forgive me for not remembering the track names, but yeah. courtship, the first song. Um, what's the last song called? I Never Learned to Let Myself Be Loved. I Never Learned to Let Myself Be Loved. And then there's a song in the middle where also kind of, I think things slow down a little, and it feels uh-huh. like you're coming in. And those three songs... To me, almost made your album feel like, like a show, like a, a stage show where there were two acts. Courtship felt like you were the, um, what's the word? Like the Greek chorus or the narrator kind of coming on, welcoming us. There felt like that close of the first act. And then at the end, it felt like, I, I almost picture you with like a cane and a top hatter. It's a very old fashioned image, but you know, no, that's, coming on and singing to us. That is exactly
1: is exactly what I'm going for. Yeah. I'm sure music writing has changed a lot without music taking on like a physical form anymore, like an mm. album or, or even a CD. But I am somebody who still writes album worth of songs. Like right. I, I really think of it as an album format and side A, side B, you know, like right. that. that is how I think of it. And I think attention span wise, you know, I, I want to create something that you will want to listen to the whole way through. Yeah. And so there needs to be ebbs and flows. There needs to be peaks and valleys and there needs to be an arc. And so the the album starts with courtship. You know, here we are, the curtain rises. Yeah. We're seeing a young person swiping their way through <laughs> existence, traipsing in and out of people's lives and in and out of people's beds and ultimately ending up back on their phone to the end of the album where... Really, that thing of trying to feel less alone and Mm -hmm. find someone who will make you feel less alone, ultimately, you never will. What you need to do is figure out how to feel okay with who you are and learn to love yourself. And then maybe you can figure out how to bring that to the table and be in partnership with somebody. That's the journey that I wanted people to go on with the whole record.
0: That's cool. I love that. And I I really felt that your music in a way feels very like classic and timeless. I mean that in like Mm. a really positive way. Like I it feels like it could be from now slash any decade for the last fifty years. So I'm curious who some of your influences are.
1: Yeah, well, that's great. I mean, that is that is what I shoot for with the, the songwriting. And I'm, I'm somebody who grew up listening to, like the music that I really, really responded to w- was what was called oldies back mm. in the 80s. So that would be music from like the 50s, Buddy Holly, Chuck Berry, Little Richard, Elvis Presley, and then Motown stuff. That mm. was also huge for me. Diana Ross, The Supremes, Smokey Robinson. That's classic songwriting and that's that is the foundation on which all of my understanding of songwriting is built tight song structure you know take people on an emotional journey that's where my roots are for this album a lot of Prince less so the like funky side of Prince and more the kind of pop side of Prince the like when you were mine raspberry beret I would say not that my music sounds like this but I really found a lot of enjoyment and a lot of resonance in some of the Torch song stuff that Sinatra does. Mm -hmm. Specifically, Frank Sinatra sings for Only the Lonely, that album. It's a breakup album. And the same same kind of effect that I'm trying to achieve here of the curtain rising yeah, creating this structure of maybe two different sides or, or two acts to this play uh, more so on this record than any other thing i've done though i've really tried to let the songs let the choices that i'm making be mine in the past i have fallen victim to uh the anxiety of influence and thought like okay what would Bob Dylan say like how would <laughs> Bruce Springsteen phrase this what would Elvis Costello do with this thing and then you end up kind of emulating and yeah. for this if if I was referencing anything or trying to like emulate a certain sound on this record it was my own stuff like there are yeah. certain chord progressions where I take them from older songs and put them back into these newer songs and I wanted to feel like I'm building on a vocabulary that I've establish rather than
0: using someone right. else's vernacular. Wow. I love that so much, A, because it's awesome, but also because yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of going through that right now. Yeah. Um, and that was a realization I had very recently. I've been working on the same short film project for about six, seven months. I've got a few months left and I was kind of uh, in the low point the past month or so. And I realized very recently, I was so far down that hole of thinking the same thing. Like I have all these influences, which I'm so grateful for. And I realized very recently, I was so far down the rabbit hole of trying to honor those influences, or imitate them, or imagine that somebody else in the audience is comparing it or something. Yeah. Um, And very recently, I had actually in therapy, this realization that like, I need to fall back in love with my own work as the influence. Mm -hmm. And For me, actually, part of that process, that sounds weird, has been going back through and watching some of my own work.
1: Was it painful at all to go back and look at stuff you'd done in the past? Or were you able to find some enjoyment
0: in doing Um, it? I think I needed it. My relationship with my work in general across the board is that I finish a project, I like it for about a year, and then I hate it for four to five years. Yeah, Yeah. And then I like it again. And I think the reason is that once it's about five years old, I'm no longer being like, oh, I'm bad at animating. I'm just Uh like, oh, that's how I animated back then. That's fun. And so a lot of what I was watching, I think in this more recent round, was stuff that was a couple years old. So I was able to like give it fresh eyes. So yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm curious with you, what's your relationship with your old work? Um, Similarly, I go through that that
1: kind of revulsion (laughs) yeah yeah at the work that I've done where I just I can't hear it It, I don't want it I just I just hear the imperfections Mm -hmm. I just hear decisions that I could have made or should have made same yeah and eventually you know you're able to to get a little distance and for me as well I'm making music with my friends right people in my band are my friends so when I so if enough time passes I can look back and really what I hear is our friendship the joy that we had at that time in making that music, rather than like, ugh, I don't like how I sang that, or like, this section went on for far too long. You know, I I can just hear like, yeah, we were young and we were having a lot of fun, and yeah. that really comes through, and I, that makes me happy for those kids in on that recording. You know,
0: right? It's like looking at photos. It's like if I looked at a photo of me taken next week, I'd be like, "Ah, oh, my hair looks bad," or like, "That is that how I stand?" But uh-huh. if I look at a photo of myself from five years ago, I'm like, "Oh, that was a fun day." Right? Like, yeah, I looked weird, but it was five years ago. Everyone right. looked weird five years ago. Yeah, yeah. I saw when I when I researched you through your Instagram, you were born in Israel. I am curious if, like, any of your creative life is affected by having a connection with at least two cultures.
1: It probably is in in ways that maybe I don't quite understand myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I I was born in Israel to uh, American parents, and we lived there just, you know, for the very, very, very early part of my life. So I really don't have memories of of living in Israel. We moved from Israel to Southern California, which is where I grew up Mm. and spent the first 18 years of my life. So... My experience is not one of being an Israeli, although I have always, up until recently, I have thought of myself as an Israeli. Interesting. And thought of myself as having this like, hot Mediterranean blood, you know, just like <laughs> I should be on the banks of the Mediterranean sipping an espresso, smoking a cigarette. And then I realized like, no, I'm like a Eastern
0: European Jew, mm. like through and through. Like I am <laughs> as Ashkenazi as you yeah. can get. Do you think any of that, there's, you don't have to make any connections that aren't there, but like, has any of that affected your art, any of your various Jewish influences?
1: I think that the storytelling mm-hmm. part of things yeah. is, uh, I, I think that's a big part of being jewish is yeah telling stories and maybe even looking for the stories that happen in life and then yeah. being able to tell them i think that there's you know there, I, I i like to think that there's humor in my songwriting and i think that that mm-hmm. comes from you know growing up as a jew how long have you been in the boston area i moved out to massachusetts in 1998 for school, I went to school in Worcester, and then spent another six years in Boston after that. Moved to New York for eight years, and then came back here in 2016.
0: Okay, for and like, how how that. are you enjoying um, being a creative person and a musician in the Boston area specifically? Or not enjoying, <laughs> I, I didn't have to use the enjoying.
1: You know, it's interesting. I feel really cut off from the city itself, from COVID on. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot, a lot has changed since, 2020. A lot of the places that that I could count on to go back to as as an audience member or to perform at don't exist anymore. A lot of the places that do exist, I don't know anybody there anymore. It's been it, it is a challenge to figure out where exactly is my place in the the live performing world yeah. in Boston. Um, I'm right now trying to put together this record release show and what I really don't want to do is just, you know, like find a bar to do it at i want it to be like a theatrical type event i just don't know where on earth <laughs> it is that you, one can do that anymore everything has really shifted dramatically and yeah I'm, I'm just having a hard time figuring out what what my footing is here i've also lived here forever you know yeah, in, in the yeah, grand same. like with the interruption of living in new york i've been here for a long time and i'm you know middle-aged like <laughs> i'm very middle-aged at this point and it's a young person's world to be mm-hmm. in the the performing world, I don't necessarily want to like try to pander to one audience or another I want to figure out where it is that I can kind of really build the people who want to hear me perform rather than like well where are the kids going or like where are the middle-aged people going right I want to just find where's the audience that wants to hear these songs
0: I have a pre-lightning round thing I don't know if this is any fun for you or not to just have your lyrics read back to you wrong but there were two lines I wrote down you actually mentioned one of them I think already but I'm curious just like if there's anything you want to say about either of those lines either like where you were at when you wrote them or just Things you like about them, or or if nothing comes to mind, that's fine. I really loved in in your opening song uh, the line, "Courtship has become a distortion of the way I've come to see myself." Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that is
1: that that whole thing of of putting this tremendous weight on a stranger mm-hmm. to make you feel less alone. You see, you're kind of giving away your power. A yeah. lot of times, and you're, you're putting yourself in this vulnerable situation with people who haven't really earned or should have to bear the weight of, of carrying your, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> yeah. your stuff with them. You can end up really thinking that you're pretty unlovable and pretty unwantable if you get enough of those kind of just mismatches or rejections, yeah. and it can end up really distorting how you view yourself. And while courtship can lead to delights of the physical and emotional <laughs> realm, it can also lead to uh, some very dark moments. And I think uh-huh. anybody who's dipped a toe in the online dating world has probably had those moments.
0: Yeah. I mean, I found for me is like, it, it didn't even make sense to me at the time. It's like, it even feels bad to be rejected by someone that like you didn't like that much. <laughs> you oh, know? yeah. Like, when you get that text of like, yeah, you know, I wasn't really feeling it. Somehow I'm like, why do I feel sad right now? That's the crazy thing is sometimes it's the, even you don't even meet
1: them. It's just Mm -hmm. an online interaction and they just, they say something and you're in a vulnerable enough place and you're like, what the hell? It's a very weird, why would it work? You know, I mean, it's it's worked for you and it's worked for me, but at the same time, it's like, this is a device that you use and you're using the same technology that you would use to order a pizza. Uh-huh. Why would you be able to just wave your hand on a glass brick and be like, yeah. well, I'm
0: in a relationship now and it just worked right. out. I feel like the apps program us to dehumanize each other in a way because yeah. because it's the same programming, like you said, as like ordering a pizza or um, playing a game. It's like if angry birds could lead <laughs> to sex, we- Not a bad idea, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're not angry anymore. Right. There you go. They're very relaxed. Yeah. And then the second one, I think you touched on this lyric. I know that being lonely is not the same as being alone. Mm. I know that knowing someone's not the same as being known. Well, I'll be honest with you. I got to that part of the song. I
1: needed some words in there. (laughs) And those are just the sounds that just came out. It felt very, um, gosh, I don't want to say clever, but it felt like it was like a clever thing to say. But I really, yeah. it really just was like solving the problem of what do I say at this part of the right. song. My tact with writing, my my strategy with this album is like, make the choice that you're going to make. Don't go back and fix it because, well, that, that line, those lines are perfect examples of a thing that if I had written it five, six years ago, I would say, Okay, no, but but, but um, so-and-so would never say this, so I can't put this in a song. Right. It's too vulnerable. It's too cheesy. It's too trite. Everybody knows mm. this. That, there's no insight that I'm adding to this, and now it's like, just let it be. That's yeah. what you wrote.
0: Let it Let it be the thing that you wrote. It's a thought you had. I love that. All right, now we'll jump into our lightning round. Hit me. What is something... Seven. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so where can people see your work? So what is something you learned the hard way that you would be happy for other people to just learn it an easier way. One of those ways could be hearing you say it on this podcast.
1: If you are going into a recording studio, take the time to make sure you feel comfortable. Mm. Because usually a recording studio is owned by somebody else. And if they have the lights on a certain way, certain parameters that you can change, you should feel emboldened to be like, hey, can we turn these lights off? Do you mind if I like turn this lamp on? set up a comfortable environment to work in, in a studio. Cause once you start paying, you know, if you're like me, you're gonna feel a little bit like, okay, well we gotta just like get it. Yeah. Because it's on. we're on the clock right now. But I think going in and saying like, let me figure out how to get the best performance. It's worth, it's worth it. And layer, layer in a studio, wear a sweatshirt.
0: Every studio I've ever been in, way too cold or way too hot. That's great advice. Yeah. What is something you learned the hard way That you're glad you learned the hard way because you don't think there's any better way for you to have learned it than by going through it the hard way.
1: All of parenting. All of parenting. You know, every age. They say, oh, this, this, you know, twos are the terrible twos, or this age is hard. Every age is the hardest age, and every age is the best age. You should just allow yourself to be present for all of it because it's, you get the privilege of seeing someone grow from the very first moment of their life and you're going to be there for all of it all of it up until you know they start to taper off in teenage years and don't want (laughs) you involved as much right and that shit is going to be hard it's going to be hard to be there for all of it and it's so worthwhile because you get to know somebody in such a deep way you get to see them reflect elements of you and your family members and your your partner back at you and then you also get to see them be Just whoever it is that they are, from the first moments they're born, you will see who they are. And you'll continue to see that throughout the rest of their life. You were doing that thing that the day you came home from the hospital, you did that thing and you still do it now. And Mm -hmm. it's so worth it to just be there for that
0: whole process. Not germane to creativity, but that's my answer. It doesn't have to. That's beautiful. And then the last lightning round question is, what is your favorite thing to do besides writing and recording music?
1: I'm a man of, uh, of leisure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I guess people have asked me things like this. Like, what do you do for fun? I just existence mm-hmm. is fun for me. I'm very fortunate to be in a very rewarding relationship. And um, one of the things that my partner and I do very well is just like exist together. Yeah. And, you know, usually that involves like going for a walk. If we're ambitious, going for a hike, our life involves like making a meal or eating a meal and mm-hmm. drinking a cocktail and having music on. Those are my favorite things to do, you know? go And we both really enjoy swimming. Finding a body of water and going into it when the weather is hot is one of my absolute pleasures of life.
0: I love that. Yeah. All right, well, Yoni, thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you. If people want to find you, want to listen to courtship want to follow yeah. you what are the ways they can do that and maybe when can they listen to courtship
1: courtship is out everywhere on all streaming services february 17th there's two singles that are out now so if this ends up coming out before the 17th go to spotify go to title or whatever wherever mm-hmm. it is that you stream music and um You can listen to it there. Follow me on the socials at Yoni Gordoni. That's Y-O-N-I-G-O-R-D-O-N-I. And I'm there on the Instagram. I'm there on the Facebook. I'm there on the Twitter and the TikTok now as well. Uh, No fucking clue what I'm doing there, but
0: (laughs) (laughs) but I am there. Talk about addicting apps,
1: though. Thankfully, I find it so incredibly overwhelming and Mm. just... I have no idea what I'm doing or how to do it, and I just
0: uh, close it. I don't want. I don't want to see it. I don't know what to do with this. Interesting. See, yeah, I'm super hooked. I think it's the Are same. You? The same part of the brain as dating apps. A video pops up, and you either swipe it away or you watch it, and so it's it's kind of the same thing. I did not even know that there was a swiping component to, to TikTok. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's how little I know about it. It's uh, so overwhelming to
0: me. Well, thank you so much, Yoni. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat and yeah. I'm I'm I love this album and I'm really excited for everyone to hear it
1: yeah thank you so much for having me and um, I'm thrilled and delighted to be a guest and I really really enjoy listening to this podcast oh, it's, thank I, you. I you know reached out because I thought this would be a good conversation and it did not disappoint <laughs>
0: awesome well thanks yeah. I'm so glad you did okay that was my conversation with Yoni so much fun Please do all the things, like and subscribe and share and tweet and gram and review and TikTok and I don't know, send it to someone on Tinder. I don't care. Any way to get the word out. I love these conversations. I want other people to love them. And I think they will if they can find them. Yoni's album Courtship once again is out February 17th on all the usual music places which often overlap with the usual podcast places so you can probably listen on this very app He also has an album release show coming up at Boston Funk on March 25th. So if you're local to the Boston area, that is going to be a super fun time. I'm going to try to be there. This episode was recorded at CCTV in Cambridge. Huge thank you to the team there. They're super awesome. If you are thinking about starting a podcast and you live near Cambridge, highly recommend working with them. Big thank you to Adam Salzberg, my brother who mixed this episode and got it to your ears. The theme music is by Typist, which is Adam's solo project. I also want to recommend some other episodes of this podcast if you haven't heard all of them. If you liked this episode in particular, I think you would also love my episode with Julia Mark from a few months ago. Julia is another musician and we have a great conversation about the process of writing and songwriting and creating an album so you can check those out in our back catalog just scroll through pick an episode listen i love all of them we're going to end the episode with an excerpt from one of yoni's singles off of courtship the single is out now and it's called your bones and such a great song makes me want to like get up and dance so uh be ready to get up and dance here it is your bones it's been